At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Also today, we are brought to you by Lifting the Dream. Lifting the Dream is a fitness apparel and lifting gear company who strongly believes that feeling good, and let's not lie here, looking good, can propel you through some of the toughest workouts that your local box has to offer. They are producing some of the most colorful, unique, and supportive knee sleeves, weight belts, and wrist wraps on the market today. They believe in celebration, community, and that the best competition is with yourself. So whether you're caught up dancing to a 50 cent song in between sets, chasing a personal record, or simply carrying a load of groceries in one trip from your car, and trust me, we've all been there, our gear is for the ones who celebrate life and want to look good while doing it. So go check out Lifting the Dream. You can find them at liftingthedream.com or on Instagram at liftingthedream underscore LTD. And look out for our giveaway on our Instagram at Weekly Warrior Podcast. We're giving out a pair of Lifting the Dream wrist wraps to four lucky random winners. So go enter today. What's going on, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Today, I have the honor of sitting down with Luke Ising, who owns and operates Provision Family Farms in White Cloud, Michigan. Luke provides healthy, delicious, and happy meat products to customers all over West Michigan. We spoke to Luke about his passion for small, sustainable farming and the importance of connecting with your local food community. So sit back, relax, and discover your warrior within. Welcome to the Weekly Warrior Podcast, Luke. Super Hi. happy to have you here. Excited to be with you. We are here on location at Provision Family Farms in outside of White Cloud. We're overlooking the fields and we see the animals and we just got done with a tour, uh, a second tour. We've done a tour already, but you can never get enough of going out and looking at the critters. So we're in the mood. We're ready to go. <laughs> well, cool. I bet you got some questions here and just yeah. some stuff to chat about today. Yeah, let's hop right in. So I want to know, and our listener, listeners want to know who you are, what do you do, and where do you do it? I'm Luke, Luke Icing, and he already told you where I'm at. <laughs> but what I do is really I grow grass and I make animals happy. <laughs> That's what my kind of farming is. Yeah. And so... For most of the year, throughout the growing season, every day I go out and I look at my grass and I see how it's grown and I move some electric wires around and I open a little gate in the electric wire <laughs> and a whole bunch of animals that yesterday got fresh grass come running to the gate and they go, oh boy, it's fresh grass! <laughs> and they go blowing through the gate and spread out, faces to the ground, mm -hmm. happy as ever. And that's so what I do. This type of farming is considered pastured or... I, I mean, it's na it's more natural what farming used to be, if I'm if I'm correct in saying that. It's what farming should be. Yeah. Um, we have some technological advantages that make it easier for us to do it than than what farming used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to talk about the history of it, they used to uh, a lot of changes in this country come from about World War II. 
Mm, is when sure. the food system and the agriculture systems really changed. Yeah. And we have uh, we have this electric fencing that allows us to move them this uh, this often every day, and uh, that's made it easier. But yeah, in some ways, it's like it used to be too because mm-hmm. there's not a lot of um, strange ingredients because right. I have a relationship with my animals. Yeah. And I value them not just as widgets. <laughs> um, so in some ways, it's 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 like it was in the past. In some ways, it's it's new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm curious, a brief overview, if you had to give kind of a brief overview on what type of products do you offer, um, to someone who were to come in here and say, I'm looking for, you know, pastured meat, what would you be able to offer them? Right. So we would be able to offer any of the various kinds of cuts you might see in grocery stores. We would, you know, be able to provide them with beef if they wanted steak or ground or Mm -hmm. roasts. Um, you know, different cuts of lamb, pork, including the sausages, the bacons, um, you know, the shoulders for making pulled pork or something, mm. um, and the poultry as well in cuts and so forth. And then yep. we also offer these things um, as whole or half animals so mm-hmm. people can fill up their freezer at once. Right. Um, yeah, being our, our own uh, sort of middleman and direct marketing mm. it is also an important part of how we farm because it allows us to be still profitable when smaller. Right. And allows us just to engage with cool people like yeah. Corey and Connor. <laughs> Thank you. We think we're cool, but it's nice to hear that someone else does too. <laughs> um, yeah, it's super cool. I mean, cause I like when we walk into your freezer, um, it's like walking into the grocery store, but it's so much cooler cause we just met all the animals outside basically. And it's a whole different experience. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. Now when you do like the whole or the half animals, do you have, can you do all the different cuts with that too? Or is it like, I'm going to get a half a cow. Most of it's going to be ground beef type thing. How does that kind of work? Uh, well, this is how farmers have done it for quite a while around the country. And it's probably the cheapest way to get your meat locally. And what happens is you own the animal. Mm. And that's what sort of makes it a legal workaround. Mm-hmm. So what happens is I'll call you and say, I delivered your, your beef to the processor. And then you'll call the processor and some very experienced people there will talk you through sure. how to cut it up. Gotcha. And what cuts you can and what you can't get out of it. You know, mm-hmm. some things you think, oh, I, I'd like all bacon. <laughs> <laughs> if I could grow all bacon, I'd be a millionaire. Right. Right? Bacon pigs. But yeah. uh, they'll talk you through that process because it's your pig at that point. Mm-hmm. And then when it's done processing, you would pick it up. Okay. So you get a, a pretty good variety of cuts. Yes. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious what a day, like... And I know every day is different for you, but what an average day might look like for you. All right. Well, let's talk about a, a day during the growing season because yeah. they're more interesting. Yeah. But we'll, we can talk about what winter looks like too yeah. because that also matters in the ecological and, mm-hmm. and the animal side of things. So in the summer, my main job is, is, as I said, moving animals, whether I have, you know, the mixed together one herd or several herds, I'll mm-hmm. get out there and I'll move them to fresh pasture and set up the wires and move the water and the mineral. Mm-hmm. Um, check on my pastures, look at them. Then I'll, I'll have my chickens. I'm going to be bringing feed out to those um, when they're on pasture. So mm-hmm. I'll uh, have some feed. I'll mix up in a tractor and I'll bring it out to them and uh, spread it out to them in dishes. And, you know, that's most of my sort of everyday type choring. And then the rest of the day seems to fill up with stuff that happens every week, yeah, every half week, every month. Mm-hmm. Um, Certain days of the week, I'll be sending out emails, um, filling coolers and running deliveries yep. to restaurants or to people. Um, sometimes I will be uh, 
I spend a lot of time out there just keeping my fence hot, mm -hmm. getting branches off of it, um, you know, management like that. Yeah. Um, and then there's there's all kinds of sort of ongoing projects that just just keep on going. Yeah. Your work is never done, basically. No, and uh, I've realized I can't complain about it because I enjoy it that way. Yeah, right. So that's like a, you said during the growing season. What is a day like in winter? In the winter, um, some ways there's even less to do. We have the animals, um, the cattle will be, and the sheep will be outdoors. And mm -hmm. We'll take a tractor and we'll run hay out to them as they need it. And just kind of, you know, check them over and say hi. And then the, uh, the pigs will be indoors. There will be no chickens, no meat chickens in the mm -hmm. winter. Um, and we'll be sort of feeding them and adding bedding to them mm -hmm. over the winter. <clears throat> and uh, in some ways, um, they get more friendly during the winter because you go in there right with them. And right. You, you take time to scratch them, and they can't get away from you. Close proximity. So Yeah, close proximity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so pretty chill in the winter. Cool. Yeah, it's, it seems like when we've come around here in the winter months, you have different projects going on, um, like working on your basement for a rental space or um you started forging blades yep which is cool so it seems like you have a little bit more time there's more time in the that. winter um and even in the summer um you know I, I worked on a say a framing crew and it didn't matter what the weather was we were out there framing mm -hmm. um now maybe farmers have a different perspective but i get a lot more flex i have yeah. to do the work but if it's nasty i do more internet work mm -hmm. and if it's nice I might work outside till nine or ten at night yeah. if it's really nice, and that's right. what I want to do. Yeah. So you kind of work with nature. Um, something we get on the farm too, at least at this latitude, we tend to get up with the sun mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, so we're getting toward the time of year where we're getting up earlier and earlier. Yeah. You know, um, in the winter we sleep in. Yeah. Other people are at work. We might have been for two hours. We might still be. Right. You know, just getting up for breakfast. Because there, there's sort of a rest period in the winter mm -hmm. to catch up from the summer. For sure. Yeah, I love that. It's a really good look inside the, you know, what you do and what things look like with moving the animals around. So I got to ask from the get-go, you've been doing this for about how long? Seven years now? About seven years now, yes. So what inspired you to start this? Because I look at it as um, you, you took a path that's pretty far less traveled at this point in our society and our culture um, and the way that you do things here is probably the right way so what inspired you to go this route and to and to take this up because it was a complete lifestyle change you know in every way yeah so a lot of people don't uh, they tend to get I think a more of a journey and I did get that epiphany that special moment where you kind of things change mm -hmm. um, now, maybe my, my personality didn't change so much there. I, I've always kind of someone been someone who's willing to run against the grain or yeah. do something different or something interesting, but I didn't know where I wanted to put my energy. Mm -hmm. And I probably speak for a lot of people listening here. Like, you don't want to be Dilbert, uh, but you do have to pay the rent. Yeah. And you want to, you want to do something that matters. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, that's, that's really important, mm -hmm. that it matters um, and that I enjoy it. Yep. And there's, um, I, I guy called Frederick Buchner said, you know, where the world's great need and your, your greatest joy meet, you know, that's yeah. your vocation. Wow. Yeah. So, um, that's a great quote for me. And I, I was trying to figure out where to put this energy I had. I tried other things, you know, I, I tried to start some things and they didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then one day I was, I was just driving in a truck working for a company and I, I heard a pod or a, a, a lecture and it was by uh, the famous farmer, Joel Salatin. Mm -hmm. And 
into introduced me to the possibility of being a farmer at a smaller scale by direct marketing instead of sort of being enormous farms. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. I knew this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So I, I did my best to, uh, you know, act prudently. I, I, I bought all the books I could. I read them all, learned what I could. And then mm -hmm. I, I said I'd trial it for a year. Um, so we, we went to a four acres that my parents had and tried to turn what they had a few animals just for fun into mm -hmm. like profit. Oh, we didn't actually make money, but we yeah. did find out we really loved it for what it was, not yeah. just in theory. And so then we moved here, bought the 80 acres with them and just kind of launched. With your, you bought it with your parents? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, so it's a whole family, it's a whole family thing at this point. Insofar as it, it's a profit-making business, it, it is really my baby, mm -hmm. but uh, um, I wouldn't be able to do it the way I do it without the hard work from my dad mm -hmm. and without the support from the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it's my dream, and I think it'll be my kid's dream as well. Yeah, um, and it becomes a legacy. As, as just living here and, and building a house and being together, that is a whole family thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your house is beautiful. You have a ton of, I mean, natural wood, and you can tell it's all been hand-built, and it's really, I mean, every time I come here, I enjoy it because everything is wrought iron. You can tell, I mean, it's all really cool. Um, so people get a picture of kind of what this looks like. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. Did you research a lot of the, you know, how to how to treat the animals learning about land management learning about you know animal behaviors um what bet what makes for the best meat product did you learn that all through you know book learning or was it more the process of learning on the go if you're going to make a go of it um in any kind of entrepreneurial business you need to find whatever you're uh advantages are mm -hmm. and sort of exploit them for sure and get the most mileage you can out of them yeah um I have um, a rather expensive uh, college degree, and I have the ability to yeah. read and write and consume a lot of material and remember it. And so that was one of my advantages. There weren't a lot of good people to talk to that I knew of. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it did come from research. I'm not sure that's going to be everyone's path, but for mm -hmm. me, I just plain absorbed a lot of yeah. like academic material mm -hmm. trying to get there. Um, and then the rest of it was, was on the go. Mm -hmm. um, it's a process of constant revision. Right. And... And let me just draw a distinction here, too, between, uh, I think, a really important distinction between homesteading and farming. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I encourage, I think, a third of Americans would be really happy to be homesteading. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible life to, uh, to have one or two incomes off-farm mm -hmm. and, and then come home to chickens and goats and five acres, and it's just very fulfilling. Yeah. Um, you get great food out of it. It's a great place for kids. A lot of great advantages there. Um, what I wanted to do was be part of the people who are supposed to feed other people and be mm -hmm. therefore a farmer. And it comes with a different mindset. In some ways, you have to let go of um, some of the, uh, you know, the rose glasses. Yeah. And you really have to be a little more cutthroat about the mm -hmm. uh, making a profit part. Certainly. And figuring out what works. And so that comes into what I was saying about just a process of revision. You know, we tried things. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of them we changed. Most yeah. of them we changed. Sure. Or removed or replaced or whatever. Yeah. So you talked, uh, you were just saying, talking about mindset and, you know, kind of the, some of the things that you have to do to be profitable, um, to have this kind of fulfilling lifestyle. That leads me into my next question of what is your why behind all of this? Because like I said earlier, 
nowadays people strive for a college degree. They are okay with a you know a stable nine to five job that they can hopefully get a couple a couple promotions and end up in a comfortable management position. Essentially, this is obviously a different route. And you know, what is your why? Why you keep doing it? Um. I might have to step off the beaten trail a little bit. It's hard for me to separate my concepts of why from my faith. Mm -hmm. And so I have this why, and the why is um, I went, I am invested um, in really making the world a better place mm -hmm. while doing what I enjoy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the faith is, is part of that why of making the world a better place, and people might have other reasons. But I sure. really believe what I am doing is sort of making the world a better place for a number of reasons. Um, for, for the rights of the animals, for the uh, quality of, of food and product I'm giving to my customers, mm -hmm. for the, uh, the environment, which, you know, we're just making better. It's not just sustainable. You know, we're regenerating it is the word we use, improving it here. Mm -hmm. um, so these are sort of the specifics. But, yeah, the why is I want to do something that makes the world a better place, and I want to spend my life on it. And you have only one life. Yeah. And... I'm not at all sure it's actually more responsible to spend it on a on a 401k than to spend it on family and nature. If I didn't make a penny out of this and, and I died broke um, or in debt, I probably would still not trade that for um, a reliable 401k. Yeah, that's awesome. And the, the fact that you can confidently say that, so many people can't say that and they wish they could. Um, and they follow this generic path that we're kind of instructed that we should the American dream, so to speak. But I mean, in a lot of ways, this, this here is the American dream. What more could you ask for? Family, nature, making an impact in your community. So just to pick up on that phrase, in some ways, I think this was in many ways, the original American sure. dream yeah. of, um, of people like Thomas Jefferson, George mm -hmm. Washington. Um, they were all farmers mm -hmm. and they were not sort of farmers in the sense of, uh, people who, in today's world, farming is sort of handed down to us. This is just follow yeah. the steps and you can, you can yep. grow commodities and the commodities can be traded on the world market. Mm -hmm. They were very intelligent farmers. If you've ever been to uh, Monticello or to, um, you know, George Washington's house, mm -hmm. mind blank there, whatever. It's Mount called. Vernon. Mount Vernon. Yeah. Um, the tour of Mount Vernon, all these plants he imported from all over. He tried all these new methods, mm -hmm. brought in these animals. Um, he, his neighbors were, were growing cotton as a cash crop yeah. and exporting it to England where it was exported to the rest of the world. Right. Um, they were sort of depleting their soils to do it. They were burning through their, their workforce, their slaves, very difficult process, but it was profitable mm -hmm. in a cash crop sense. He diversified. He saw this as, this is not what he wanted to do, yeah. what he cared about. And so he became sort of an intelligent agrarian type. Mm -hmm. And I think that was his dream for America is that there'd be a lot of people who would sort of be intelligently and emotionally connected with the land sure. to produce food. So maybe this was the original American dream before yeah. the factories took over. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, absolutely. You, I can't say it any better than that. Uh, you were just talking about, you know, providing quality products to your customers and to the community and leaving some sort of a mark on the community. How? Why do you think it's so important for people to connect with their local food communities and local farmers well we all have a certain number of dollars to spend in a lifetime we all have a certain number of hours in a day and it's the same mm -hmm. and we have to spend it on something mm -hmm. um, and you probably don't need to spend it all <clears throat> on getting enough to pay the rent so what are you going to spend it on are you going to spend it on netflix are you going to mm -hmm. spend it on staying in shape 
you know, you got to pick something. And uh, for my money, I think food is a great place to invest in because mm-hmm. it can give you a lot of satisfaction just eating it. It can right. give you a lot of community with the people you share your meals with. It's just been, I think that's been human bonding since yeah. you know, sat around fires and caves. Yep. Um, it's just food. Yeah, we talk about relationships all the time. <laughs> There's relation, you know, relationships are made around the dinner table, and that's what people have done for millennia. So, so it's an investment in your health, of mm-hmm. course. Um, I expect to be an old, you know, ornery farmer because <laughs> unless something kills me, this is a, is a really healthy lifestyle for sure. And it's given it to my my customers as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got to spend your life on something, and this is something I think that's worth investing in. Yeah. I completely agree. Connor and I would both agree because it's been one of the coolest experiences getting to know you and your family and the animals and also um, the, our, the local veggie co-op, John Ward. Um, he's got all these amazing vegetables that he has year-round and that's also, I mean, just getting more connected with the local food community has been wonderful. Um, and I, four years, two years ago even, I would have thought like, yeah, I'll go to a farmer's market every once in a while and think like, yeah, I'm doing great, but this is a whole different level of really connecting and feeling like you're a part of this community. And it's so much better for you too. Um, so you segued it perfectly into what do you have to spend your money on outside of, you know, you got to pay the bills. My question is fairly simple and I want you to just kind of take it where you want to elaborate with it is why is this worth it for somebody from the outside looking in? looking to spend their money well i would just uh encourage you to just try it and you might find you get a little hooked <laughs> but i can agree with that yeah <laughs> uh, i mean food is kind of like filling a gas tank for a lot of people in fact we buy it at gas stations yeah and just kind of fill it up so we can keep going mm-hmm. and kind of keep trudging um it's a shift in mindset to see food as something that to invest in mm-hmm. but you are investing in yourself mm-hmm. when you do that and it has some as you talked about, Corey, it has some inherent satisfaction Mm -hmm. and pleasures that come with it. Yeah. So, um, our product definitely costs more and that is, that is a real hurdle. I was raised in a very uh, frugal family Mm -hmm. and we bought the cheapest of a lot of things and we still do for most things. And it's been a transition for me even to go to the grocery store and, and say, well, I'm going to cough up a little more to get a local brand or get something Mm -hmm. organic. And sometimes I don't, I have a price point like everyone else. Yeah. Um, you know, for people who are budget conscious, we always work with you. We accept EBT. Mm-hmm. We can show you what kind of cuts can get you nutrition for cheaper. Yep. You don't need to eat filet mignon. <laughs> you can, you can use, you know, you can make some great soups and broths yeah. for really cheap with really healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it is, it is a one step at a time thing. And I do want to tell people it's really not about purism. <clears throat> there are people who will, you know, Every scrap of plastic has got to be out of their life and every bit of food this way and everything. If you end up there, that's okay for you, but that's a big goal. Yeah. And if you just start buying some local stuff and see where that can take you in terms of relationships, in terms of health, in terms of sitting down together and having family meals, Mm -hmm. um, I just start that path and see where it goes. I'm not going to tell you where to finish it. Right. Yeah. Just start it. Uh, You brought up two points that lead perfectly into my next two questions. So I know you've done a lot of lecturing on some of the, you know, inherent biological differences between your product and like uh, mm-hmm. the mass market, you know, whatever from at Walmart or Meyer. Um, there's a visual difference that's easy to see right off the bat. 
um, but just like a brief uh, inherent nu nutritional value, what would we be looking at for spending a little bit extra at a, a farm like yours over buying, you know, the the bulk freezer chicken at Meyer or Walmart? All right, well, let's quickly talk about um, the other food. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the other food, and at least I'll talk about meats here, we're talking about 98% of what is eaten in this country mm -hmm. is raised in factory farms. So when you go to Bob Evans and you see a picture and it looks like my farm, that's not right. So, um, no, what we're doing here is really an exception. Yeah. Now, well, the way that food is raised is sort of you're bringing in resources from all over. You're raising um, food by putting as much into it as possible, as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of calories and a lot less nutrients. Uh, animals have a way of condensing that. Um, and both toxins and nutrients tend to condense as they move up the food chain. Mm -hmm. This is why when you go to like buy salmon, you have a risk of mercury poisoning. Sure. Because they ate fish that had a little bit of mercury Store in them. Store-bought salmon? Yes. Yeah. They ate fish that had some mercury in them, which were middle-sized fish, and yeah. they ate smaller fish that had a little bit, and it condenses. Mm. So these toxins condense as they move up the food chain, yeah. and so do the nutrients. Yeah. So if you have animals that are fed a very low-nutrient, high-calorie diet that includes toxins, they're going to build toxins and not nutrients. Yeah. My animals, by contrast, are building nutrients Yeah. Um, by sort of aggregating them. So if there's like, uh, we'll say vitamin A, for example, which you think of um, as carrots, but the carotenes are in, in all plants. Mm -hmm. And then the chickens go out and they're grazing grass this mm -hmm. whole time. They're getting a lot of carotene. Yeah. Now, our ability to process plant carotene is, is mediocre. We can, get, we can get it, but they're even better at it. And they get the extra and they store it in their fat. Yeah. And then their fat goes from white to yellow. Yes. And yep. that yellow fat is carotene for you. And so you're eating it, you're getting all those things kind of pushed uphill and condensed mm -hmm. right up the trophic pyramid. Yeah, it's really interesting when we cook. We love the whole chickens, and we will roast them pretty much once a week. And it's so interesting when you actually cut into it. Like you said, the fat is yellow, and it tastes different, and it feels different. And the whole, I mean, everything about it is a different experience, and it feels better. Um, and it, it just is a completely different product, essentially the chicken you buy at the grocery store comparatively. And you don't even see, even in like an organic, you know, pasture raised, whatever in the grocery store, it doesn't look the same as it does coming from here. Um, and another good example that we were just talking about because we were out with pigs is you said that your pig, your pork has more iron in it because they're able to dig through the dirt that's rich in iron. Sure. So it's more nutrient dense and stuff that so store-bought pork doesn't have. If you want to get specific about what kinds of nutrients we're going to gain on, um, you're going to look a lot at the uh, the fat-based vitamins mm -hmm. are going to be a lot higher. Yeah. So that's going to be A, D, E, and K are going to be a lot higher in the fats of these meats. And if you're going to spend the money on good food, don't throw out the fat. Right. But find a way to either eat it when you're cooking it or, or make it into gravies mm -hmm. or soups. Um, a lot of good stuff is in the fat. Mm -hmm. um, you know, meat is protein. Protein is good. But fat is where a lot of the nutrients are sure. stored. So don't yeah. ditch that. You're going to see um, B vitamins we mostly get from red meat anyway, whether mm -hmm. you're eating conventional or otherwise. And so the B vitamins, um, this is anecdotal, but I'll give you an example. of uh, There's a minor B, vit B vitamin called PABA, mm -hmm. and it's what your body uses to protect you from ultraviolet rays. Mm -hmm. And my wife is very, very fair, Irish background, and mm -hmm. she's always burned easily growing up. Yeah. And she doesn't anymore. Now, maybe it's because, you know, we live outside more and she gets more exposure. 
Um, but I really think it has to do with the extra quality of the B vitamins in the diet allows her body to sort of recover from that yeah. and protect from that. And it's so really she doesn't really burn, you know, it has to be really intense all day at the beach. Haven't right. been outside yet this year for her, for us to get burnt around here. Yeah. Um, that's just a diet change. And that's again, I mean, a perfect segue once again is how do, how do all of these vitamins, the happy animals, the natural way that they're being raised and the things that they eat affect our health in the long term? Seems kind of obvious, I guess. I yeah. don't know. To me, maybe. So you're investing in your health when you get these extra vitamins and nutrients. And there's this ratio between sort of nutrients and calories. And our, our conventional American diet is just has lots of calories in it. Mm-hmm. And calories are sort of fuel to keep you going. Mm-hmm. But it gets less and less nutrients all the time. Like, say, for example, in wheat, they just keep breeding it to produce more yeah. and more. But it's got a smaller and smaller amount of protein, mm-hmm. um, a smaller amount of... Uh, you know, the other stuff you'd get from it, fiber. Sure. And uh, that's sort of like that bleach, ratio. Flour or whatever has yeah. nothing but the simple nothing carbohydrates. But yeah. yeah. And that's what corn is basically too. Even corn, the, the feed r- mixture ratios for, I design animal feed diets for my animals. And it, you know, it was rated at 11% 40 years ago, mm-hmm. protein, and then nine, and now wow. it's six. You know, that's just what corn is. Mm-hmm. So things, uh, as we breed them to be more productive, we've come away with, more calories, but less nutrients. And I think people need to flip that. Um, I think a lot of hunter-gatherer societies were, were healthier, and they, they went hungry sometimes, mm-hmm. but every bit of food they ate had piles of right. nutrients in it. Yeah. Um, even wild-crafted food is going to have more nutrients than stuff that you mm-hmm. grow in the garden. Yeah, sure. That makes complete sense. I think it's been interesting for me and my personal journey with this kind of introduction into the, the more healthful, more nutritious foods is... I didn't realize how non-nutritious, you know, some of these vegetables and the meats that we were getting on a regular basis. Um, and up in the last year, the education level has gone up in a ridiculous amount. And even so in the last six months, since we've been buying meat products from you and since I've been with Connor and she's much more conscious of this stuff than I ever have been. So learning about all the toxins and all the different nutritional values is it's crazy how easy it is for people to to completely alleviate health issues that you know you don't even realize your intake is you know creating you could go to the gym every day and be healthy and you know even like have a six pack whatever but you're going to still end up getting cancer or alzheimers or you know Sure. All this stuff that probably could be avoided just by what you eat on a daily basis. Uh, it's easy to miss when you're 20. Mm-hmm. Um, your body is able to just kind of keep going on yeah. what you've given it. Um, but I find as I get older, um, I still have energy when my peers are losing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the reason we don't know is because I think we kind of have an emotional sort of trust in the system that it's not sure. going to be selling us styrofoam when it's calling it food. Right. And yeah. that was my reaction 10 years ago too. You know, I had friends who were kind of this head this way and I'm like, you're crazy. You know, mm-hmm. this, what I got in front of me is food. It's working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't sell it as food when it's not food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, since then I, I've learned that's not really true. And it comes down to partly just profit, um, you know, companies that are, are setting up this food and building it and, and sort of breeding our seeds and setting out these planting regimes and fertilizing regimes um, they're getting paid per calorie instead of per nutrient. Right. Nobody measures for nutrients mm-hmm. when they breed anything or, mm-hmm. or do use certain practices. Yep. So partly it comes down to that. And um, 
partly it comes down to a mindset um, in our medical system that doesn't really value nutrients. Mm-hmm. That sort of thinks you can um, you can punch in these numbers and, and have a healthy body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that a good example of that would be sort of enriching. We have um, all our enriched flours, and you find that on most breads, all cereals. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically what they did is they stripped all the nutrients out of there, and then they created synthetic ones and stuck them back in, sure. so it wouldn't be short. Yeah, but it's not the same, right? And it's it's just sort of a very mechanical mindset to what is a biological system. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the mindset and the profit are two reasons why what we have isn't really food. Sure. And what you can have is here. Yeah. Is real food. Right. So if someone were to walk in and like, so for example, when we met you, it was at the Red Fox Market local health food store in Big Rapids. And if someone were to to come up to you and have no background in any of this and you had five minutes to convert them basically, or you know what I mean? A very brief amount of time to to get them on board. What would you say to them uh, to get them interested and try to get them involved with this more nutritional and healthful way to look at food? That's why you're here. I try to get people to come out. Mm -hmm. There's nothing quite like experiencing something that matters, something that feels right. Mm -hmm. You said it has a visual appeal. I would even call it an aesthetic appeal Mm -hmm. or an emotional appeal. It smells different. It looks Mm -hmm. different. It's not just that it tastes different when you cook it. And so I would just try to show them what we do. Um, The the negative examples, trying to explain the junk that's in the food, if Mm -hmm. they haven't heard it before, they're not going to believe it from me. Yeah. Um, You can can go, you can watch the videos and see what a factory farm looks like. Yeah. And I think your instincts will tell you that something's wrong. Right. Um, So I don't use the negative examples. I just try to show them what we do and then uh, I explain why it matters and that you have to spend your life and your food on something, Mm -hmm. your money. And that's about all I can do. Yeah. Most people who come to us, though, don't come with a blank slate. Sure. Um, people, a lot of times, invest in local food because they they are experiencing health crises. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they've been doing hasn't been working for them. Mm-hmm. And you might be experiencing a health problem because most of what are called chronic diseases are associated with lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, food, sleep, exercise kind yep. of stuff. And so... Yeah, most people come with either that or else with an appreciation of what nature is and should be. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's awesome. I know that when we first came out here, I was just blown away. I know Connor was too. It was the whole experience, like you said, the smells and the everything. I mean, everything about it. The animals are walking around and um, getting to meet you and your family and just see everything. I was completely sold. And we came here on the day you were processing chickens. So like... There was some blood and some gore, and it was like, wow, this is happening right now. This is awesome, actually. Um, totally bought in immediately. <laughs> right, and I, I think we do, we do need a few words to talk about this. There are a lot of people who are, are rightly concerned about what it means to kill animals mm-hmm. and whether it's a good idea. Yeah. And so I, th- I think it is a topic, if we have a minute, just to sure. kind of look at that. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of Lion King circle of life thing, yeah. right? So, yeah, I, I've had the chance to talk about this some. Um, and I really do respect that people are wanting to do the right thing by animals and that seeing animals die for something like us eating seems a little bit unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it's unnecessary, can we just avoid that? Uh, I'm going to tell you you can't. Right. Uh, first off, everything dies. Mm-hmm. Eventually, everything dies. And in nature, there's this sort of circle of, 
cycle of life and death, mm-hmm. and it happens really quickly, and it's all the time. Everything is either pooping, eating, <laughs> dying, getting eaten, right, um, and, or reproducing. Yeah. And those things just happen all the time. And at this point, aside from like living in some simulated computer world, you can't opt out of nature's system. Mm-hmm. So if we stopped killing animals, uh, nature wouldn't know what to do and we'd have an issue. Mm-hmm. We, we already see that with uh, deer populations. We just don't hunt them enough. Right. We kind of scared off the wolves because they don't want to be around us. And so we have too many deer and the right. deer are dying from weird things like prion diseases mm-hmm. is what we've had here in Michigan, the, um, CBD. Yep. You know, that's nature's way of trying to get rid of these deer yeah. because there's too many. Right. Um, so there's no way to have an animalless landscape. It just doesn't happen. Nature mm-hmm. never does it. And if you try to do it, you'll end up with a mess. So there's going to be some kind of animal out there and it's going to need to die. Mm-hmm. And the best way for that really to happen is for us to manage it and give it a really good life. Right. And I guarantee you that the quality of life my animals experience is actually better than the quality of life that animals have in nature. Yeah, you know, I would agree with that. They're they're just a little bit safer from predators. They're they're safer from temperature extremes. Mm-hmm. They're not going to die of starvation, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be given a clean death. Yeah. So, yeah. Do I get a little choked up when I kill an animal sometimes? Yeah. Um. I'm, but I'm grateful. Also, my favorite sort of example of this is one of the best movies ever made, Last of the Mohicans. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of it, uh, the three main characters are are hunting a big elk, mm-hmm. and they bring it down. Um, and then come over to it and says, I thank you for your sacrifice yeah. and then finishes it off, mm-hmm. gives it a quick kill. And certainly I, I am living because other animals have died, right? but there is no way away from that. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's easy to, for people to disconnect when they go to the store from where those eight chicken breasts in the, you know, the nicely packaged, whatever come from. Um, and they're the same people that might sit there and tell you that killing animals isn't right. Or, uh, you know, whatever. But where did the the food that you're eating right now came from somewhere? Yeah, um, and some of them are vegetarians. But if your experience of nature comes from your pets, you don't really know nature. Sure. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. it's kind of direct, but... It's, yeah. Get outside, learn nature, mm-hmm. see how vicious and beautiful yeah. it is. And then, and then you come then to a place to like this, it. and you see how good the, the animals have it. And even when we came, when we came on that day, you were processing chickens. I thought, to someone who doesn't know any better, this might look, you know, uh, cruel, but it's actually not. When you think about how chickens are processed in a, you know, in the mega factories, the way that you do it is great. I mean, they have a great life, and it's quick, it's easy. They're treated with, with respect, and what more could you ask for? You know. Sure. And I think that says enough right there to me. That's what it said to me. I'm glad we came on that day. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a an, it's an super interesting topic that can be controversial because everyone's got an opinion about animal cruelty. and. You know. Yeah, yeah, we're entitled to that. Yeah. Um, but get out with nature mm-hmm. and learn how it works and uh, understand that life and death are going to happen. For sure. Yeah, I love it. So I'm wondering, um, for, for people who are listening, whether it's with you or whether it's a farmer that does a similar thing like you, um, where can people find you? Um, what areas of Michigan specifically do you serve? Things like farm visits. How do we interact? How do we connect with you? All right. So if you're local and you want to come visit, you know, we, we'd make that possible. Probably best just to send us an email or reach out to us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we, we're an hour north of Grand Rapids, and we serve about an hour distance around us, all of Grand Rapids and, and some of Muskegon and so mm-hmm. forth um, in terms of our being able to deliver food to you, or you can come pick it up from as far away as you want. Yeah. And we may, we may be working on getting into shipping at some point and ship to some of the local states. Yeah. Um, in terms of finding your own local food, um, Eat Wild is a great website for finding uh, local producers of meats that are going to do it well, and they sort by state, so you can find someone that's going to do it for you. The best way to do it is really to find other people who are doing it and talk mm-hmm. to them. Um, because even within this business, as, as wonderful as it is, there are, there are fakers, there's charlatans. Mm-hmm. And people who are already buying local food, you know, they know. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would get connected with local CSAs. And if you find, you know, say you, you want a, a vegetable CSA and you buy meat from me, I'll, I'll tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. So you, you have a farmer that you already buy your veggies from. Um, he can tell you where to find a mushroom guy. Right. And a grain guy. Yeah. A bread, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. We're connected. So yeah. it's kind of this little subculture. And if you can, you know, get into it, we're pretty much all invested in seeing this subculture become a major part of culture mm-hmm. and so we will share you with our competitors with yep. other farmers in other t- lines of work just to try to get you as much healthy food as right close to as possible yeah i met when we first met you that was the first thing we were talking about was you know what else is out there where do we get fresh vegetables where do we get bread i mean whatever and boom 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 they're just lined up just like that what was that website? Uh, wild food. Eat wild. Eat wild. Um, lists all grass-fed producers of meats in the country. Cool. That's a Most that's of them. probably that's a huge resource actually. Eatwild.com. I've never heard of it. Um, which you know now we can tell our parents to <laughs> check out Eat Wild to find a local pasture farmer. Yep, and then build a relationship with your farmers and mm-hmm. and visit them at least once, and uh, don't treat it like. A local Meyer, or mm-hmm. sorry, a local Walmart. Yeah, you know, take time to make it special, and when it's special, it'll be special. The food tastes better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, what is next for you? What exciting things do you have in the works? I know you've done a lot of things like speaking engagements. Uh, medieval dinners have happened in the past. What kind of things are on the horizon for Provision Family Farms? I'm a dreamer, and I'm always looking toward the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always got 10 more things than I could ever do with my life going on. And so this year, this year we, uh, because of, of the current food crisis, um, we are doing great business. Mm-hmm. And in some ways we're going to probably by the, by the time the end of the summer's out, we're going to be mostly out of both inventory and animals. We're going to sell wow. a lot of stuff yeah. and then start rebuilding our mm-hmm. herds from there. Um, because grocery stores are empty and people are thinking about local food mm-hmm. and our, our dream here is to catch a lot of people who haven't tried this before and then as we get through this to retain them yeah and get them hooked on on the taste and the experience mm-hmm. um and the health that comes from local food yep so wasn't exactly my plan three months ago but right now a lot of my dreams are about just taking this crisis and getting something good out of it where mm-hmm. people are coming out healthier and uh, yeah and connected um, so that's one of the big ones. I'll be continuing to work in the woods. Um, that's sort of my, uh, I didn't mention that in my daily chore list, but when I have extra time, it's usually out in the woods with a chainsaw. I find it satisfying and we sell, we sell some firewood, but we're really sort of modifying our landscape. And that's such a human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I do appreciate that we have national parks, but human nature is to get into a piece of ground or a landscape of some kind and to engage with it mm-hmm. with some sweat and some, some brain cells. Yeah. 
And so what I'm doing, some people are planting trees. I'm actually kind of thinning them and creating a savanna, mm-hmm. which would uh, be called silvopasture. It's something we're excited about. We'll be doing that, um, starting maple syrup this mm. winter. Nice. Because it's a resource we have. And one part of smart farming is sort of stacking resources. Yep. So it means using the same piece of ground for as many things as possible. It means I might plant Christmas trees in my pasture. Mm-hmm. It means I'm going to run chickens um, in with the cattle or behind them. I'm going to mix herds of animals. We're going to, um, I don't know, it's always about stacking enterprises and using the same piece of land for lots of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that sort of uh, intellectually stimulating challenge Yeah. and uh, very rewarding. Yeah, always trying to, like you said, stacking your resources. Absolutely. If you have maple trees, why not try to do maple syrup? For sure. Um, okay, so last question that I have for you is one that we ask all of our guests. Um, and that is, what does being a warrior mean to you? Well, it means working my strengths um, and working with my heart. I found when I'm excited about something, I can work and it doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. And I can work a long day and I can invest in it. And so if I'm feeling that, I run with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It might mean I get up early and work on it. It might mean I work late. And then then I have a recovery time sometimes too. So working my strengths means if I'm excited about something, I'm I'm working on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... It might sound the opposite of disciplined, but it, that, that's one way I work my strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, another way is uh, just making sure I can I can get the most out of my body mm-hmm. um, and just, you know stay in that that working shape. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means making sure I do get sleep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, about doing what you, what you really care for. It's mm-hmm. really about heart. That's what it comes down to. If you're a warrior on a computer, if you're a warrior mm-hmm. um, with your your hands or shoulders by yeah. blacksmithing, if you're farming, if you don't have your heart in it, I, I can't see it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's I love that. Whatever you're doing, do it with your heart. Do it like you mean it. Yeah. yeah. And if over a good long period, you know, you find that your job isn't satisfying you, you know, then you need to do a new job. Yeah. Uh, I changed a lot of jobs before I found this one. I, I probably worked 20 different jobs mm-hmm. by the age of 25. Yep. Um, trying to find something I cared about. After three months, I didn't right. care anymore. Uh, so that's the kind of thing where you can change it. And then the rest of it, um, some things you can't change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that for me would be like my marriage, you know. If I was feeling a little uh, less excited about that, I can't change that. And so for what a warrior means for me there is it means I'm invested not just in sort of the, uh, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing, but to really put your heart into it and find a way to make it work and, and make yourself care. Um, because your heart is a little bit malleable too. Yeah. And you have some control over your feelings and you can change who you are. Mm-hmm. So uh, with things that matter like that, I'm changing who I am. And with things like occupation, I'm changing the world to be the kind yeah. of world I want it to be. For sure. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, cool. I want to leave people with a call to action about where to find you. Um, so social media, websites, stuff like that. Sure. Provisionfamilyfarms.com is where you go to go buy our product. But if you just want to engage with it and get a taste of what is happening on the farm every day, then look up Provision Family Farmers on Instagram um, or connect with us through Facebook. Your Instagram is great. Um, Love yeah. the videos and the pictures on the Instagram. I just try to keep people posted so they can get a taste of what it's like yeah. out here, um, what it looks like when animals get born. When, uh, you know, they get excited when kids are engaging with animals mm-hmm. or the projects and kind of work we're doing. 
And so it's just sort of a little uh, quick brief thing. And that'll be on Facebook too. So look up Provision Family Farms on Facebook Sweet. to just engage with it. And then if you're ready to buy, uh, check us out on the website and connect with us. If you have questions and you want to be a farmer yeah. and you're a dreamer or you want to be a homesteader, email me. Yeah. And I will, I'll take an hour and we'll talk about it and help try to point you to both good practical resources but good philosophical mindsets or good books For sure. that can get you going. Um, I'm committed to seeing people do that and... It would not hurt my feelings at all if every family in America raised hens and I couldn't sell any eggs. <laughs> um, I'd love to see that. Yeah. would be fine. Awesome. So. All right, Luke. Well, we have our cooler and we're going to go fill it. You ready to do that now? Yep. And then it's lunchtime. Sweet. Yeah. yeah lunchtime sounds good. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. We sincerely appreciate you being here with us. And if you would consider sharing the Weekly Warrior with a friend or family member, that'd be pretty great too. If you haven't already done so, leave us a rating and a short review. Also, check out our Instagram page at Weekly Warrior Podcast for more warrior content. Thanks again for being here with us, and we hope you'll join us next week when we discover the warrior within. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.